darling! I remember every little thing as if it happened only yesterday. I was barely 17, and I once killed a boy with a Fender guitar. I don't remember if it was a Telecaster or a Stratocaster, but I do remember that it had a heart of chrome and a voice like a horny angel. I don't remember if it was a Telecaster or a Stratocaster, but I do remember that it wasn't at all easy. It required the perfect combination of the right power chords and the precise angle from which to strike! The guitar bled for about a week afterwards, and the blood was oof, dark and rich like wild berries. The blood of the guitar was chuck berry red. The guitar bled for about a week afterwards, and it rung out beautifully, and I was able to play notes that I had never even heard before. So, I took my guitar and I smashed it against the wall! I smashed it against the floor! I smashed it against the body of a varsity cheerleader! Smashed it against the hood of a car! Smashed it against the 1981 Harley Davidson! The Harley howled in pain! The guitar howled in heat! And I ran up the stairs to my parents' bedroom. Mommy and Daddy were sleeping in the moonlight. Slowly, I opened the door, creeping in the shadows right up to the foot of the bed. I raised the guitar high above my head, and just as I was about to bring the guitar crashing down upon the center of the bed, my father woke up screaming, Stop! Wait a minute! Stop it, boy! What do you think you're doing? That's no way to treat an expensive musical instrument. And I said, God damn it, Daddy. You know I love you. But you've got a hell of a lot to learn about rock and roll. Hey there, and welcome to Cover Act. Today's episode of Cover Act is part two of my review for Jim Steinman's Bad For Good. In the first episode, we looked at the front cover for this album, and now in the second episode, we're going to look at the back cover, and we're also going to be taking a look at the title. We're going to start with the back cover. Now, if you follow me on Facebook or Instagram, you'll know that I've actually got two copies of this album. I've got it on CD, and I've also got it on a record. I already had the record. But I like to buy the CD for when I do these episodes of Cover Act, because it's a more portable means of taking the album art around with me for the review. Normally, the art on the record is the same as the art on the CD. Sometimes they resize the text a bit to make it more readable in the small format, but it's pretty much the same. And the front cover of Bad For Good is exactly the same across both versions, but the back cover, sadly, is completely different. I brought along a photo of the back cover of the record sleeve so I could review it, which, by the way, is exactly the reason why I bought the CD, so I wouldn't have to bring along the record photo, but anyway. So just as an overview of the record back cover, it's got a big black and white picture of Jim Steinman, the man behind this album. It's got all the text off to the side with the track listing, also all the people who worked on the album. 
it's all right, and it makes sense as a back cover image. Back cover images aren't normally too flashy. This one is fine, but I'm going to go into more detail about that later on. Now, with the back of the CD, it's completely different and very boring, to be honest. It's just a plain blue, no gradient, no texture, no nothing, and it's got the track listing there in a boring font, and it just says at the top, bad for good, Jim Steinman. All in all, quite a disappointing back cover. So that's why, for this review, I'm going to be mainly reviewing the bad for good record sleeve. However, there will be points deducted at the end for the boring alternate back cover for the CD version. So with the back of the record sleeve, as I mentioned earlier, it's got a picture of Jim Steinman. Now, Jim Steinman, if you just Google image search him, he's actually not a very photogenic person. He looks a bit dorky, a bit weird in a lot of the photos. This photo here on the back cover is actually one of the few Jim Steinman photos where I think he looks all right. So that's a good point in his favor. Good selection of photo. It is, however, still a fairly dorky photo, mainly, I think, due to Jim Steinman's strange choice of outfit and his weird pose. To start off with his outfit, he's wearing an NFL jersey, which is a strange decision. I don't know if he's a fan of the NFL or if he just thought it looked cool. It's very weird. But what he's wearing, in addition, is the strange part, because along with his NFL jersey, he's also wearing plain white gloves, like you might wear to maybe a ball. He's also got a weird white scarf around his neck. It's a really strange outfit. I don't think it really looks that good on him, but oh well. Also, the pose he's in is just very strange. His arms are crossed, like across his chest, and he's just sort of clutching his opposite upper arms. Maybe you could do it now to sort of imagine how it might be. I'm doing it. It's a weird position. I feel weird doing it, so I can't imagine why Jim Steinman thought it was a cool thing to do for his album art. But then again, like I said, although he does look strange and weird in this, it is somehow still one of the least dorky-looking pictures of Jim Steinman that exists. Now, off to the side, there is a track listing, and that's absolutely fine. Sometimes you want to have the words on your album art looking really cool, but it's also, as long as you've got an alright image, it's fine to just have them a bit plain and not that exciting. That's what they got here. It's nothing exciting. It's just the plain track listing. It's got the list of all the people who worked on the album. It looks fine, those words. But let me tell you a story about the track listing in this album. I used to have this feeling to do with this album that it was always on shuffle mode. See, I'm normally really good at remembering what order songs go in an album. But with this album, every time I listened to it, it felt like it was on shuffle. And I wasn't sure why. I'd say to my girlfriend, I feel like it's always on shuffle. And she'd say, oh, it's just, maybe you're just used to having it on shuffle. And I said, no, that, that's not it. I, I never listen to albums on shuffle. And finally, I realized what it is. It's because across all the different versions I listen to, the track listing is different. So let's take a look. Let's take a look here at the Spotify. Let me just open up Spotify on my phone. The track listing, I'll just read off the first four tracks. Bad for Good, Lost Boys and Golden Girls, Love and Death and American Guitar, and then Stark Raving Love. Okay, let's take a look at the track listing on my CD. It starts with, oh, The Storm, and then it goes Bad for Good, then Dance in My Pants, and then it's got Love and Death and an American Guitar. That's, that's different. It's a different track listing. 
I'm not sure why these songs are in such a weird order. I think what contributes to it a bit is the original album, when it came out, it had the main songs on it, but it also came with an EP, another record, which had the intro song, which was meant to be The Storm, and the outro song, which is Rock and Roll Dreams Come Through. And so you'd play side one of the EP, you'd play side one of the record, side B of the record, and then side B of the EP. Very confusing. I can sort of understand a bit how that contributed to none of these things really having a consistent playing order. But it just frustrates me. It doesn't make any sense. So, let's take a look at the title for this album. It was originally going to be called Renegade Angel, which does sound like a pretty cool album title. It sounds very Jim Steinman, and it also works really well with the album art. The front cover, it's got an angel. Like I said, it looks like he's like a rebel. He's escaped from heaven. He is the Renegade Angel. It makes perfect sense. So, I'm not quite sure why they changed it to Bad For Good. I mean, don't get me wrong, I think Bad For Good is a really cool name. It's simple, but it sounds cool. I have no faults at all with the name Bad For Good. The name change might be the reason why, on the front cover, the angel has the words Bad For Good tattooed on his arm. That seems a bit weird to me, because of course it also says Bad For Good at the bottom, so it's a bit strange having Bad For Good on there twice. However, if the album was called Renegade Angel, that wouldn't be just having the album name on there twice. It would say Renegade Angel, and it would have a cool reference to the coolest song title on the album. So, now for the conclusion. How do I think the front cover, the back cover, and the name relate to the themes of the album as a whole? This album, the big themes of it are just youth, but also, you know, traversing through being a teenager and a young adult. Growing up, it's all about that sort of thing. And so how does this art relate to that? I think it relates really, really well. Because, of course, the angel, he seems like an eternal figure, you know? Young forever. He's got his beautiful young girlfriend as well. But they're also rebels because they've escaped from heaven. They're rock and rollers. He's got his guitar. And they're going out into the unknown, which is, in a way, what becoming an adult is, you know? Going out into the unknown, forging your own path. And I think this front cover works really well with that. The back cover, it's fine. I don't have any problems with it, but it's not anything revolutionary. The picture of Jim's diamond, it's fine. The least dorky photo of him they could get. They did well with managing to get one of those. I don't like how the track listing is all over the place, and I really don't like how the CD back cover is a lot more boring than the record one. Moving on to the title, how does the title relate to the album? Well, like I said, the album, it feels like it's all about this notion of eternal youth, being a rebel, being a rock and roller for the rest of eternity and I think the title worked really well for that and I think that's the real reason why they changed the name because bad for good it's all about I'm gonna be a rebel I'm gonna be like this forever in fact it says that on the front it's got the line that really puts the name bad for good into context it says I know that I'm gonna be like this forever never gonna be what I should and you think that I'll be bad for just a little while but I know that I'll be bad for good and that really is the theme of the whole album just been a cool rock and roller for the rest of your life. Although this isn't a masterpiece by any sense, and the art, it's good, but it's nothing like amazing. 
I really love it. I love it so, so much. I'm definitely deducting points for the boring back cover on the CD version. I feel like, although I really like having all the text on the front, that does actually make for a worse album cover. The title of the album is excellent. This is a really hard decision for me because I want to give this just a really high score, but I know that I definitely shouldn't. So I've decided that I'm going to give this piece of album art a 7.5 out of 10. That score comes from my mind, by the way. If I'd rated this album from the heart, it would have been a 10 out of 10, but I know that this does not really deserve to be 10 out of 10. So thank you very much for tuning in to this two-part episode of Cover Act. Be sure to check out Bad For Good on Spotify. Maybe it's not the best album, but by God, it's got a lot of heart behind it, and I really love it. Check out Cover Act on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I'll be back here next week with another episode. You've been listening to Cover Act. Cover Act.